Thanks, Lucas. When I'm not chowing down a Capri Sun with Pokemon on it, I'm Lucas. Carter's got a Capri Sun, so that was my uh, that's my opening. That sound that sounds really good. Now it sounds like it hits a spot. Um, it is. <laughs> so we got some stuff to talk about, folks. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe if I can talk, um, we're gonna get started right off the bat with basketball and. You know, I, I remember saying, when is the fat and sassy game going to happen? And I think we all were pretty much in agreement that it was probably going to be tomorrow night against Wisconsin. And uh, boy, it, it came a week early. It, uh, it was, it wasn't great. We, we lost to Northwestern, excuse me, 64 to 62. Didn't really look great the whole game. Um I, I watched it and I was just frustrated with a lot of it and you know, it shit happens. So I'm not like, it doesn't bother me any more than it did like maybe for a half hour afterwards, but that was really kind of a bummer of a game, but we've been here before. Right. The, I, I said it on Saturday, but this loss was so clearly manufactured by Izzo. I mean, there's really no other way to look at it. Like if you, it, it, like, like say what you will about Joey Hauser. You know, I, I'm my feelings on on him are, are well known, right? But even I know Saturday's not on him because he shouldn't be playing center, right? I know Bigham's recovering from COVID. I know, I know Mar, I know Marble can't play 30, 32 minutes a game, right? I get all that, but to have Hauser on the bench for the majority of that game, just to teach Julius a lesson about like staying focused is ridiculous. Five to three to five times a year, Tom Izzo turns into Jay Walter Weatherman from fucking arrested development. The guy with one arm George senior uses to teach the kids a lesson. And he'll like manufacture losses just so we can get on their asses about shit. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you about the Hauser point. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's a lot that you could put on him with this game. It's more of just like Izzo's decision to play him at the five. Uh, I know we got a pretty good Julius Marble game. He was kind of your best player, and you're not going to win a lot of games when Julius Marble is playing as your best player. Felt like a pretty routine off day for Max Christie. I mean, you know, as a freshman, he's going to have those, especially with how, you know, high level he's been playing the last couple of weeks. Still one freshman of the week, though. Still I know. What are the other freshmen in the Big Ten doing? Are there no other like two other freshmen? Um, but the but the thing that confuses me the most is how Izzo continues to have Bingham in the doghouse. I know he's kind of recovering from COVID still, but even but even even if it is a conditioning thing. It just the the things that he said about Bingham, like somebody asked him a question about Marvel. And his response, his immediate response was to start trashing Bingham. So it's like, do you want, you understand like Bingham is probably our most important player, right? And like, we need him if we're going to go far. And obviously the tough love strategy doesn't exactly work the best with him. So maybe it's time for a new approach. That's kind of what I was thinking. And then, yeah, it's, it's the fat, it's the fat sassy game. He actually, you know, Izzo actually said it. Uh, so I'm curious to see what team comes out against uh, against Wisconsin because the energy was lacking in the Northwestern game from, I think, just everyone. Northwestern clearly wanted it 
Oh yeah, Northwestern needed it because they're right now they if they can if the right chain of events happen, they could find themselves on the bubble. And to win against a top 10 Michigan State team on the road is going to be a huge resume booster for them come selection Sunday, right? We could have buried Northwestern, right? It could have been the end of them this season. And it just, it just didn't work out that way. So, yeah, and, and back to your point about, about Izzo, about Izzo, like, about Izzo treating Bingham. I feel like since freshman year, Okay, Jesus Christ. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Lucas, please edit. That, that might oh. that might be the first edit worthy. Uh, that came man. out. That came out wrong. I just I, nodded. and I'm like, wait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Fuck. Marcus catches the brunt. Let me reword it. Marcus catches the brunt of of the criticism from from Izzo about the team's hustle. Right. Like, I don't think I don't think Max or AJ or um, anyone else who played on Saturday, like put any more significant effort into the game than Marcus did. So I'm a little confused on on why Marcus continues to like be the the scapegoat, be the the scapegoat. That probably would have been a better analogy. Thank you, Carl. I, yeah, that that's a better analogy. I, I, I know, did the first edit. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm probably I should probably go in and chop it out. Uh, at least at least it's early enough to where I can figure out where the timestamp is. Um, yeah, I was just really I wasn't mad. I was just disappointed, and the 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 Hauser. It was perplexing to see him get owned by that dude. Um, oh fuck, Brian Young. Brian Young, thank you. I knew he was young. Like, just get taken to school by him. And, I mean, Izzo really set Hauser up for failure. And I'm not going to blame him a ton. Like, he can only do so much. And, you know, he's – it just sucks the way that Izzo coached that game. And, yeah, you know, I forgot that Bingham had COVID. Uh, in my opinion, probably the worst case of COVID in, in the history of – Yeah, uh, definitely. Of COVID. Um <laughs> <laughs> no one's had COVID that bad since the guy ate the bat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was just really bummed out watching that game. And, you know, I, I just love seeing our uh, our fan base on Twitter melt down over this game. And, yeah, yeah, it sucks. But, like, have you not watched Michigan State basketball? This happens. Like, to anyone listening who melted down over Saturday – it's not time to panic yet. And I would even say it's not time to panic if they lose tomorrow night because Wisconsin's a really good team and the Cole center sucks to play in. I, I don't, I don't think it's time to panic. Not, maybe, maybe if we lose to Michigan, I mean, I don't think we're going to beat Illinois right now, the way we're playing. I think we're going to give Wisconsin a hard time, but we could come out and get our asses kicked. And I, I, I agree. I don't, I agree with the, the sentiment that the Izzo manufactures these losses. I, I firmly believe that after watching that game, because it was like when we got momentum, things just went wrong or like substitutions happen. Like we, we would get a lead and then Northwestern would like drain a three or 
just keep it really close. And it, it just, it, it felt like one of those games where you're like, you know, I just don't think they're going to pull it out. Right. And, and, and don't get us in like, I don't, I don't know why, like I'm complimenting Northwestern right now. Whatever. They, they did play really well. They were missing oh, yeah. their bet. They were missing arguably their best player and went on the road and fought like hell. That's not easy to do, especially in the big 10, but MSU made it a little easier on them. And Izzo made it a little easier on them where anytime or anytime they would cut into the deficit or take the lead or start building or start building runs, he would sub out Walker for Hogarth or sub out Bingham for, for Hauser or, you know, put in, put in Aikens or play Pierre Brooks for the third time this year. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think Pierre Brooks has a lot of upside. And I think he's proud and he's going to be an awesome like stretch four in a couple of years, but you're like, but giving him, giving him the minutes you gave him on Saturday after like, basically after sticking him next to Steven on the bench for the majority of the season, you're asking, you're asking to lose. So that, that's what, that's what made me think that Izzo threw this game because they weren't, they weren't going hard in practice. Bingham was probably rolling his eyes and Izzo was like, fuck you. We're going to lose. And I'm going to make it harder on you because we lost. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm not panicking, but I, I just think. I would like to think. I would like to think, I don't, I don't know if we win tomorrow night. I don't, I don't have a good, I don't have a good feeling. I don't have a good, um, I, you know, in my plums, deep down in my plums. I can just feel like I can just see fucking Johnny Davis going nuclear, like just eight for, starting the game four for four from three. Uh, Brad Davidson gets away with a couple of egregious flops. And, you know, maybe we don't get ran out of the coal center, but when the dust settles, it's clear it's clear that we were never in that game that's that's how i see tomorrow going honestly and you know and we'll see how illinois and we'll see how we do against illinois illinois played some bad teams closer than they should have yeah i feel like they're having their own fat and sassy run at the moment they lost they lost a pretty good game to purdue on monday it was that was pretty cool game yeah and and you know but they've they've kept you know, they've kept Penn State closer than they should have. They've kept other teams closer than they should have. Yeah. You know, Michigan was hanging around until until the very, very end. So I just think I I would not be surprised small if we lose by 13 points and we never cut the lead and we never cut the deficit cl- closer than four. Hmm. I can see that being the case too. I mean, to me, I don't know, this is just something I've observed this team over the last couple of games, the energy level is just low. The energy, the enthusiasm level is just not where it should be. And I mean, I know that that, I know that when Joey Hauser had the game winner, they, you know, they were all mobbing him and celebrating at half court, but sure, you're going to do that. It's just, you know, throughout the course of the game, they're not fired up in the game. They're not, you know, celebrating with each other, slapping hands or anything. It's just like, they're just kind of moping around them. And, and, and that's where we need Gabe to, that's where we need Gabe to step up and be and be the leader, right? Because 
not only is he the captain, he's also like an elite hype man. There's, you know, all the gifts of Gabe on the bench freaking out. We need that from him and we're not seeing it right now. And, you know, this team is just like, they're, they're going through the motions. They're playing everything like it's a scrimmage. Right. And, and like the turnovers are going to be the turnovers, right? Like, I don't think that's, it's not fixable. Right. It's just part of Michigan State's DNA now. It's been it's around. A part, it's it's been, a part of Tom Izzo's offense, basically. Right. Where it's so complicated. There's so much motion. You're passing the ball so many times. You're you're making so many cuts. You're passing into tight windows. You're just going to turn the ball over a lot. So it's just it's not like the triangle where you're just like standing standing still and waiting for people to get open. Yeah. So I you know, I guess we'll see how they respond after we'll see how they respond after this game. Um, and, you know, we'll see how much they respond going in and we'll see how much they respond next week against Illinois, I guess. But yeah, I mean, if you go into this game thinking, thinking we're going to win, God bless you. God bless your soul. I don't know. I just, I don't want to be a pessimist or anything, but like, I don't know, man. Like this seems like, this seems like a, this seems like a multiple game slump to me. This feels like something we're just not going to shake off. Yeah. And I can see this going like the, uh, the 2020 game where just nobody could hit anything. Like they were in that game. They just kind of couldn't put it away. Uh, I remember Tillman had kind of his worst game, but Dude, didn't he miss like a bunch of layups? Yeah, like clearly that was he was just off. And yeah, to that point that Lucas made about how it, this happens every year, it does. This is like the mid-January slump where people start to think, "Oh, this team can't do it. This isn't the year." And then they go on a run in like late February into March where they just look unstoppable. And I feel like that could, you know, that's, that's still to be determined with this team. I think we've seen the, the good side and we've seen the bad side. So I guess we'll have to see how it plays out. But this, this does feel like a pretty typical, you know, mid mid season low from these guys. Yeah. I, I, I'm not, I'm not pushing the panic button. Even if we lose to Illinois and Wisconsin, I'm, I don't think this team is as good as those, you know, you have, I think we were just enamored with the five and oh Big Ten record and like ignored a lot of this team's faults and deficiencies. And it's, it's not trying to be mean, it's just I think we're a year out and we're, I think we're still going to be a decent, I think we're going to be a, a high seed in the, in the conference. But you know, I think the, the time to push the panic button is if we lose to Michigan. I think, I think we're better than them, and I still do. And that that's when I will start to panic as if this is a four game losing streak going into the really, really tough part, not just these Illinois and Wisconsin games, but it gets really tough after that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so, you know, we'll stay tuned. They're, they're favored or Wisconsin's only favored by three tomorrow, which I found interesting. Um, I'm sure that line is going to change, but, um, yeah, I, I'll watch it, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pull the panic button just yet. No, I don't think anyone should. Um, so let's get into football. Uh, we've had some we had some movement this week. Um, I'm gonna let 
Carter, why don't you take the wheel on this one? Okay, so coming in is uh, Amir Speed from Georgia. He's a grad transfer at corner and uh, 6'3", 211. And pun, in, pun intended, he does have speed. He is very fast. He's an SCC athlete, which, you know, I will always take uh, on our team and especially at the cornerback position where it is a statistical impossibility for them to be worse than they were last year. So I would assume he sees a lot of playing time just because he has that SEC experience. He has that, uh, that connection with Mel. And uh, I, I think that this is a pretty good ad. You know, you have championship experience. You take somebody from a, from an all time defense and you put them on our secondary. That was all, but you know, anything but good last year and uh i would say, i would say this is a pretty 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 positive game here you know um yeah, I, and then the, go ahead sorry no i um <clears throat> you know i know a couple i i follow a couple of people on twitter who are who are georgia bulldog who are georgia fans georgia alumni and you know i i got the i got the scouting report from them um and you know this isn't uh this isn't a transfer where like you know, he's, he's not fit to be an SEC player, you know, so he's going somewhere else. This is a, you know, he, Tucker was his, Tucker was his guy. Tucker recruited him to Georgia. He was going to follow Tucker wherever. Um, If Tucker was still at Colorado, he would have been, he would have went to Colorado. So, you know, this isn't about him, about him not being able to cut it at the SEC level. This is him. This is him. Like, just having the unfortunate circumstance of, of being a part of one of the most stacked defenses in college football history and, and wanting to, and wanting to reunite with coach Tucker, which I think, which I think is a, which I think is a downright goddamn positive for us. Yeah. When you look, when you look at the guys Tucker's bringing in, right. Uh, They're the guys who come to coach Tucker, love coach Tucker. You know, it's it's that's a good sign because it means guys are going to be a little more patient before hitting the portal, right? Um, you know, he's he started a chunk of games, which it, I'm sorry if you play a snap for the national champion, you're going to be an immediate ad over over our secondary. Hey, Chester Kimbrough. And and honestly. Uh, I think he's CB one, <laughs> like coming into yeah. CB one. Um, you know, pairing him with with Ronald Williams, I think is going to be is going to be awesome. Um, and you know, maybe we can get a little freaky with Chuck in, in you know as a slot corner, um, or maybe put him in the slot corner just because he's going to be so fast. Um, you know, and you know, and he can he'll hold it down while Chuck's. You know, while Chuck's getting healthy, doesn't necessarily move Chuck back a whole bunch. Um, but you know, Chuck has extra time to get healthy and get right before he like has to become the linchpin of the linchpin of the pass defense. Agreed. And yeah, so go, go ahead, Carter. Um, go ahead. But yeah, so uh, I think that you rock out with Ronald Williams right now. I think he's locked. I think he's penciled in as a starter. I think when Chuck gets healthy, he probably is too. And then in the meantime, Marky Lowry as well. Uh, so 
And then speed will probably fit in. I would probably put speed on the outside just because he's, you know, got the size to hang with the outside receivers. But as you know, as I kind of said a bunch, uh, having having an SEC athlete is going to be an advantage for you. So, oh boy. Okay. Okay. Moving along. Adding a mere speed was cool. <laughs> Moving along. Uh, <laughs> just, just you know, our. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that's some breaking news during the during recording. Uh, I, I like the speed um, signing or acquisition transfer. I like it because he could also help uh, give some different looks on defense. Like, you know, I forget who Kirby Smart's coordinator is on D, unless it is him calling the plays. Dan Lanning. It was yeah, it was Dan Lanning. He took off for Oregon. Oh, that's right. Um. I think that's going to be the interesting thing is like, what can he mix, you know, help us mix in, you know, obviously Hazleton's defense is, uh, I'll put it nicely different. It's built different than Georgia's that that's being nice. We're going to be nice tonight. That's like saying Walmart furniture is built different from, uh, from Amish furniture. (laughs) Yeah, true. You know, you got to get the savings where you can, um, but I, I'm, I think it's a net, just an incredible net positive. He brings a championship pedigree, and he's going to have all these, all these guys going up to him, going, you know, what does it take to win? And you know, that's leadership in the locker room that he can bring. And I'm, I was very excited for that. And I just, when I saw him enter the transfer portal, I just kind of looked at it and went, you know, I, I bet he's going to come here. That's how I kind of feel with these guys now. It's like, whenever a, a, a a pro high profile sec transfer happens i'm like man i think tuck's gonna get them and sure as shit you know it, I, I nothing nothing but positives and you know we have one negative that happened this this week um you know i guess you can call it a negative um uh, linebacker maya go i'll let you pronounce it <laughs> it is ma now he, he decided to enter the transfer portal. Uh, he was Mel Tucker's top player in the 2021 class. They flipped him from USC. He was a four-star. He was like a top 150 kid. So, you know, we, we were pretty excited when he came in because we are excited about what he could be. Did not see the field very much this year. Uh, they had a lot of linebackers who were playing in front of him, and then they added a couple more linebackers in the transfer portal. So he went from being already, like, linebacker four to like linebacker five or six now. So he's, he just decided, you know, I, I'm going to try to get on the field somewhere else. And as you said, when you said like uh, Tucker, you know, these guys love, they, these guys love coach Tucker that they, they don't want to leave. They kind of take their time thinking about it and it makes it a difficult decision. I think that that was the case with Ma'a. Uh, so it, it's a little disappointing, but you know, he was, he probably wasn't going to see the field very much this year. Anyway, he might have in like a year or two. Uh, but as of right now, it isn't a huge loss. So I, and I know a lot of people on social media, when they see the four star, when they see that he's the big high profile, they see he's entering the portal, especially the Michigan fans, they get all on him. Like, God, oh, talk was losing the program. This is not sustainable. And it's just, you don't understand how this yeah. works. First off, the kid could not find the hole. He did not know where the running back was going to be. So he needed a lot of time and Michigan state 
it's pretty clear that Mel Tucker's trying to build something right now. So he doesn't have a whole lot of time to develop these types of guys. So I'm not panicking too much about it, but I know a lot of our fans were. So I kind of wanted to put that at ease. No, I mean, I'm, I think, I think the best experience builder is, is playing, is playing in, in games that matter. Even if you're not, even if you're not necessarily getting snaps in games that matter, you know, being, being, being a part of those practices for those games that matter, I think pay huge dividends, you know, part of the reason why I think 2017 was such a six was, was so successful for D'Antonio. I mean, kind of an outlier on the twilight of his career is because a lot of those guys getting getting big time snaps, especially on defense, were were freshmen during that 15 season, and they were preparing for that Michigan game. They were preparing for Ohio State. They were preparing for the Big Ten championship. Preparing for Alabama. And you know, 16 is its own thing, and you know, while it pointed to fund, where it pointed to foundational flaws. Um, you know, I think 17 kind of bared the fruit of 15. So I, I think by bringing these guys in, Tucker's trying to prevent a 2016 and sustain that success through experienced guys who play big time football and are athletic freaks while the guys he brings in can continue to develop and, you know, the Amir speed shows that pe- that guys are going to be willing to, to sit that extra year to, to pay those, to have those dividends be paid out. Cause Mel Tucker can point to that defense and said, I built that defense. That's my defense. So I'm, I'm very, I'm very optimistic. I'm very optimistic about the future and anyone uh, who claims that the portal isn't sustainable, A, isn't paying attention to what Tucker's actually doing, and B, shouldn't be talking because they're probably going to lose their coach to uh, a guy with a bowl cut. So uh, <laughs> have fun, you fucking cocksuckers. Uh, enjoy my cart, bitch. Um, Michigan fan, love my cart. Hashtag hire my cart. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious to see what, you know, the transition to that, like the, the Michigan uh, situation predicament, I guess. I'm really curious to see what's going to happen because Harbaugh's out here recruiting and like <laughs> he's squatting with a bunch of frat bros um, and another incredible meme worthy picture. Like yeah. he's, he's like the Donald Trump of college football. Like he just keeps giving us great content. I love that. He's back to gimmicks. Yeah. And <laughs> so, you know, the gimmicks worked out so well for him, you know. It's interesting that he's out recruiting and all that. And you know that he's on the phone with these pro teams, you know, listening to their offers. And well, I I just want to like like this goes this goes for everything, right? Like coaching isn't like your your corporate job where like if you're looking for other work, you're just going to mail it in until you find another job and peace out. Right. Like you have to actively maintain the program 
while you're looking for other jobs because it can cause an avalanche. And if something doesn't work out and you have to stay, you have to deal with the fallout. Yeah. So anyone who goes, look at Hardball, he's, he's doing all these squats, he's not leaving. It clearly doesn't remember uh, the controversy of Mel Tucker uh, committing to Colorado at a, at a dinner with boosters before leaving for Michigan state that same night. Yeah. Right? That's not, that's not shitty behavior. That's not doing things incorrectly. That's how the, that's how the profession works. It's right. Right. Harbaugh probably knows someone's getting hired from within. So as a service to, as a service to Gaddis or Hart, because he's taking McDonald with him. Yeah. Uh, he's gonna, he's gonna continue to build up the program and just leave it there. Kids can decide on their own, whether they believe him when he says he's going to be there when they walk on the campus. Right. It's not like Harbaugh doesn't lie to recruits. Look at all the guys. He look at all the guys he pulls offers from the, the week of signing day. Right. I, I think he's going. I really do. I think the more this this state, well, I don't I don't fucking know. I mean, some people think that the longer this goes on, the more it favors Michigan. And some people think that the more it goes on, the more it favors the NFL. And I mean, it, if he's Definitely. telling that he's opening he's open to hearing these guys, these teams out, I think he's leaning towards leaving. Well, I think I think I think the people who go the longer this drags on, the more it favors Michigan, I think is, is lying to themselves, right? Because as soon as the Vegas job opened up, there should have been a con there should have been a can't say no contract on this table. As soon as John Gurdon was fired, honestly, yeah. there should have been a can't say no contract on this table. And honestly, yeah, I mean, there, there have been there have been you know rumors of of uh Harbaugh bolting back to the NFL for a while, I think. And, you know, the, the fact that he had such a successful season at Michigan kind of only is going to make those voices a little bit louder, uh, especially, you know, especially when Vegas moves on from Gruden, it's like, Oh, look what, look at how Jim Harbaugh's kind of rebuilt Michigan after they were bad last year, right there. That's, that's a couple signs. And I mean, my, uh, the thing that I'm thinking is like, what type of offer for Michigan is going to get him to stay there? It's going to be, it's probably going to end up being the, it's probably going to end up being a significant raise. I mean, you can't, he can't go back to his old contract. No. Right? Yeah. You, re, you, he took a 50% pay cut and went to the playoff. You think he's going to go, okay, I'll go back to being paid a million less than Mel Tucker. A million, you know, I'll go back to be, be I'll go back to being paid two million dollars less than Jimbo, than, than Brian Kelly, you know, I'll take, I'll, I'll have the same assistant pool. That's fine. When Tucker's out hiring assistant defensive end coaches mm-hmm. with his assistant pool, that's not going to work, right? So I, right. so, so Tucker's, so Harbaugh's going to need the. This is the Godfather final stop. You're not leaving. Offer, right? He's gonna want. He's gonna want a fully guaranteed buyout, ten million a year, and a salary pool that's competitive with Mel Tucker, with Brian Kelly, and with more Jim. nil, and probably more nil stuff for players coming in. 
Yeah, and well, because Michigan won't do it. Right, and he wants and he wants NIL as open as the other schools, right? And this is the thing I was talking about this offseason with Michigan's constant identity crisis, right? Are we are we an are we are we an elite academic institution who values who values the who values the mind of the student and the student athlete over our on-field performance? Or are we Alabama North who lets in any guy who lets in anybody who can reasonably read or write and or runs a 4-3-40. Yeah. Put in any guy who is an athletic freak and is projected to go to the NFL and was projected to go to the NFL in five minutes. Um, who was projected to go to the NFL in the sixth grade and just put them in paper classes for three years before they go to the draft. Yeah. <laughs> and this new president coming in, I think is going to create a perfect storm. My whole thing about Schlissel had a low approval rating, but I feel like most university presidents have a low approval rating post COVID. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know. Like, this is a segue, but Carter, you're still a student there. How do you feel about Stanley? I think he's done a pretty fine job. You know, I think he did a really good job kind of when COVID had first started. He 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 kind of took charge, and a lot of the other schools in Michigan kind of took you know, they kind of took what he said as law and they, and they moved uh, the same way Michigan state did. So Michigan state was kind of a pioneer in, in how to handle these things. Cause Stanley is a, you know, he has his PhD in infectious diseases. So, you know, he's kind of the guy to listen to in this sense. Um, but back to Harbaugh, um, if he does leave, I'm not going to, you know, Michigan fans will, will, as they did, they were shitting on Mel Tucker for Bolton from Colorado. But I, if, if Harbaugh's telling kids he's going to stay, but then, you know, the Raiders come with some ridiculous offer and he leaves, I'm not going to hate on it for that because that's just the smart thing to do is if they're, you know, tripling your salary, then why wouldn't you? That's, that's kind of where I am at with that. Right. Or they give him or, or they make him GM and head coach. Oh boy. Because he's probably telling teams, I don't want a Jed York situation. Right. Right. He already doesn't, he already doesn't get a well, get along well with Ward. We know that. Right. He doesn't want to deal with the GM who's going to interfere in his bullshit and, and go against his wishes. So I can see Mark Davis with this team on the brink and Derek Carr kind of running out his usefulness. I can see them giving him, giving him, giving him the Bill O'Brien. Whether that crashes and I, well, I think it's going to go better than Bill O'Brien because I legitimately do think Harbaugh is a, is a gifted football mind. Uh, but yep. I, but I, I would be curious to see long-term how that works. So, you know, we'll see going forward, but yeah, I just don't know how, how U of M can match can match what the NFL offers in terms of prestige and, right? and, you and don't, the pay raise. And like, you know, once your off season ends, you can go relax for a little bit and fuck off. Like you don't have to like keep tabs on recruiting and 
you know, go recruit during the off season the entire time, like you do for college football and college sports, basically in general, you have that, you have those periods where you can just chill out, spend time with your family and not look at your phone. So like it's, it's those added built in benefits to being an NFL coach. And I think he's going to go because it's the time to capitalize. Like we all, we all agree on it's the time to capitalize on your, <laughs> like the, like the Leo Tom Hardy, me. your network is your net worth. <laughs> and I think it's, it's the time to strike while the iron's hot. He, sh- he should go. And if Michigan is smart, they're going to, they're going to do whatever he says, give them the blank check and say, how much do you want? We'll make it work because they are in danger of being left in the dust with, with if they don't, if they don't straighten up their NIL stuff and get, get their shit together, Michigan state is going to blow by them. I'm not saying as a, as a program forever, but Michigan, but Mel Tucker is looking into the future and, and Michigan seems to be stuck in like kind of the present, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and also like this can't be overstated. Uh, the Harbaugh family are fucking psychopaths. Every single one of them is a fucking psychopath. So, you know, at every Harbaugh family gathering, John's walking around with that big fat fucking Super Bowl ring that he won over Jim. So, and you know that chaps Jim's ass because Jim used to fucking drown him in the ocean, literally. So, I just, I, I think... <laughs> I think that's another part of it too. And that's something you can't quantify with dollars is sticking it to your brother. Right. Someone with the brother, I speak from experience. Right. Um, I got to cut it. So we'll, we'll take a quick break. Then we'll come back. We can finish up Harbaugh and we'll talk NFL. All right. We are back after a little, after a little break. Um, and and I think and I think to wrap up this Harbaugh discussion, yeah. I, I, I want to specify something. We're not talking about Harbaugh going to the NFL because we're scared of Jim Harbaugh. Oh. Quite the opposite, actually. Uh I they're the only person in college football I'm truly, I'm truly, truly afraid afraid of right now is is Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. In, right, I say right now because uh Nick Saban is not a gracious loser and he's not, and he's not like a sore loser in the sense that he complains about the refs or, you know, someone's knee or, you know, a ball being loose when the knee was clearly down or, or things like that. Uh, I mean, Nick Saban's a sore loser in that he's going to spend the next eight months figuring out how to beat everyone's ass in the most efficient way. On the football field and psychologically. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is no greater form of rat poison than losing a national championship game and losing a national championship game to a former assistant. Nick Saban is going to be a fucking... Nick Saban is going to make Osama bin Laden. Oh, no. Look, <laughs> Nick Saban is going to make Osama bin Laden look like that toddler who punched me in the balls that one time when I was substitute <laughs> teaching. I mean, it'll be, there'll be human, there'll be human wreckage on a scale uh, unbeknownst to mankind. Lucas, this is a peacemaker reference. 
Wait, say that part again. I was looking up national championship odds for next no, year. Lucas, I'm saying this is a – what I'm about to say now is a peacemaker reference. Okay. Uh, poor Vanderbilt are going to be laid out across the field like that chick in the first episode of Peacemaker, John Cena rails and then <laughs> vaporizes. I mean, it is going to get ugly. <laughs> Alabama is only a plus 200 favorite to win it all. That's crazy. Yeah, I should house. put money down on them. And Bet your mortgage. Bet your mortgage. Georgia plus 325. Ohio State plus 600. Clemson plus 1,200. Liberal Antifa thug, Ryan Day. USC plus 2,500. What? The Aggies plus 2,500. A&M's, A&M's three years. AM's three years away. Michigan's currently plus 3,000. Um, where are we at? Just out of curiosity. We're at 7,500. Yeah. So, yeah, lay 10 bucks on it. Why not? Bet the mortgage on Alabama and then throw like five on Michigan State. Yeah, that's what I would do. Um, so, yeah, let's talk. Did you, did, did you watch Peacemaker? I take it then. I did. I'm not caught up fully. I mean, I, I'm not in the new episode. Yeah. Did you watch it, Carter? I haven't started it yet. I will eventually. It's good. It, it's, it's really fucking funny. And John Cena was like born to play Peacemaker. Yeah, he's great. He was good in the movie. He, he's just, it's, it just once again shows that when you give him comedy and good writing, he just crushes it. And yeah, no, John Cena is low key. One of the most gifted comedic actors. And, and part of it's his look, but part of it's just, like, the way he delivers the lines is, is just so fucking good. Yeah. Like, obviously being trained as a wrestler, like, he has such big facial expressions. <laughs> like, when he's mad or, yeah. like, when he's upset, like, it's just so, it's so big. It's like a toddler throwing a fake tantrum. It's so funny. <laughs> um. Yeah, I really like that. Uh, my wife, or Cassie, started watching How I Met Your Father, the first episode of that, and it was all right. It just, it looked like your typical laugh track sitcom on CBS, even though it's on Hulu. Um, Still emotionally scarred. I will not, uh, un- until Carter Bays and Craig Thomas will shoot the final season of How I Met Your Mother, I will not be supporting How I Met Your Mother. I never watched How I Met Your Mother, but I did, I did. Uh, read the spoilers to see who was the mother finally. Same reason I won't jack off to Sasha Bay because of what she did to Vinny Chase. <laughs> <God>. um, <laughs> and uh, oh, fuck, what was I going to say? Um, have either of you guys watched Book of Boba Fett? I'm very disappointed. I'm incredibly disappointed. Yeah. It's just boring. Yep. Episode three was like, was like Robert Rodriguez like going like, okay, I have to like do something for my kids right now. Yeah. <laughs> like Robert, it felt very shark boy and lava girl. Like the fourth episode ending was cool because it teases what's going to happen or what, what it sounds like is going to happen. Um, but, but other than that, I mean, cool. I mean, I thought it was going to be neat to learn about Boba Fett more, but it's literally just like, Hey, here's what he went through after he got out of the Sarlacc pit. And Plus, he gets like, his ass kicked like eighty percent of the time. I know. Which, like, when you go back, when you go back to the original trilogy, like he was tossed into the Sarlacc pit by a blind guy. So, like, yeah, 
I suppose that tracks and like maybe that's some kind of meta joke. But um, yeah, like we're getting Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga in April. And I was kind of, and I'm hoping we get some Mando deals. That'd be fun. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward. I mean, this is okay. I just wish part of me was like, you know, I, I would have sacrificed a year without without the Mandalorian if we just got to the Mandalorian at the end of this year. Like, because I think the new season's coming like in December or whatever. Yeah, I think so too. Um, but so, man, I don't have anything else movie wise to talk about. There's really nothing going on. I just keep reading the book. I just keep reading the leaks about Doctor Strange. Um, Euphoria, Euphoria is fire this season. I'm too afraid to watch that show. I think I'm too old. Yeah, you probably are. <laughs> Asshole. Uh, <laughs> I'm keeping the I'm keeping the 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 raciest uh, stuff in here now. Uh, God damn it! <laughs> I'm gonna try to edit it. Um, so let's talk the NFL. Let's talk playoffs. Um, I listened to our pod last week, and uh, I I kind of keyed in on my whiffs, and I whiffed really hard on the Patriots Bills game. Uh, you guys both said Bills. We both said we all said Chiefs, uh, and you had a nice Big Ben reference, uh, if you remember. Um, and that, in fact, that in fact did happen. They scored. They scored so much they ran out of fireworks. That's like when you're a teenager and you start masturbating and you're left home alone and you masturbate so much your dick physically hurts and you can't jerk off anymore. That's. That's the equivalent of what happened. I, I, might, I might as well not fucking edit now. <laughs> like just double down. Like, yeah, and then uh, what was the first game? Oh, and I, I, man, I need to start betting some more in these games, at least some of them. I, said, I know we all agreed Bengals were going to win, and I said Bengals will probably win by touchdown. That was a really good game. Yeah. And then we all agreed the game of the week was going to be what, I mean, obviously was the game of the week. Um, Niners Cowboys, hilarious. That, was, that, that game, was a, whew. no one wanted to win that game. No, people were like, Kyle Shanahan's an incredible coach, and he, he is a really good coach, but like, he was trying he, really hard to give Dallas that win. He almost Shanahan'd it, yeah. Yeah, he's <laughs> an idiot with situational football. Trust almost, me, I know. He almost morphed into his father, like the second evolution of a Pokemon or something. <laughs> like, they were trying so hard to fucking literally say, look, we don't want to win this. Dak, do something. And I thought I had a, I had, I did some prop bets on the week. Like I did around the Bengals game. I did Jamar chase over yards and score a touchdown, you know, didn't work. He, he had the over, but he didn't score a touchdown. And then I had Debo Samuel over rushing yards and anytime touchdown score and Dak over one and a half touchdown passes. <laughs> I thought I was going to win it, but um, I just can't believe that. I get that the 49ers were playing defense to where they were just kind of containing the out of bounds area, but like, why would you call a quarterback draw? Alan Moore called that too. The, the, the so called the next, the head coach in waiting essentially in Dallas. Yeah. Uh, and I, I love what SD said. He's like, you know, I think the Cowboys are going to win it, but I hate seeing Combo happy. <laughs> Combo was miserable. 
Did you guys see the screenshots of of the Nick broadcast as they were like like the end of the broadcast like package? No. Yeah. They were they were showing um they were showing Mike McCarthy all pissed off at the refs. Oh, oh yeah. And he was like, they had the steam coming out of the ears and the like they made his eyes red and he was like slimed. So funny. Hilarious. I watched the Nick broadcast. It was really fun. Did you see they drew like 55 million viewers at the end of that game? The Nickelodeon broadcast? Yeah. (laughs) That's like the highest rated NFL regular season game in like 10 years. Next time CBS, the next time CBS has the Super Bowl. Yes. Let simulcast it with Nick. Oh man, please. I'd love to see like someone get slimed when they're running the Super Bowl MVP and then like <laughs> someone's like, hey Josh Allen or whoever, you lost the Super Bowl on a game-winning field goal. Here's the MVP. <laughs> Here's the MVP trophy. Oh that's what I was God. wondering. Were they gonna do that with that? Well, well, there's gonna be no MVP. Like if Josh Allen's in the Super Bowl, there's gonna be no MVP campaign because part of my take actually likes it. Yeah. So like they're not gonna do that to Dak. No, they'll do it to like, uh, they'll do it to like Stefan Diggs. Right. Um, and I wanted to say something about that Cowboys game. I love how people say Trayvon Diggs is one of the best corners in the game. And sure. He gets a lot of interceptions, but when he doesn't get the ball, Holy fuck. He gets cooked so much. He's like the Aaron judge of cornerbacks. I know it's either, it's either a home run it's either a home run or a strikeout. The he, only reason people know him is because his kid was fucking adorable on hard knocks. Well, Combo was like, oh, we should play the Rams. I'm like, Cooper Cup would go for 300 yards against Trayvon Diggs. Right, because there's no opportunity to pick off a pass to Cooper Cup because all he does is run six-yard slants. And it works. He's, he's my slant king. Um, and what was the other? Oh, yeah, Tampa Bay. I think I, we all called Bucks easy. I think I was saying like the Eagles would make it close and they kind of did for a little bit, but it, it was by the time that game was over, wasn't it? Like it was 28, nothing, wasn't it? Yeah. The final score is like 28. It's like 31 of 16 final or something. Um, And then the game that I was very happy to watch, it felt really good to watch my Rams, Pat Stadford as, as SD called him. Um, didn't really have to do a whole lot. He threw for a couple touchdowns, but the Rams looked really good. They kicked the shit out of the Cardinals, um, who clearly, man, they have this bad, they have this bad pattern of fading in December under Cliff Kingsbury, and um, that was that's just a really shocking thing to see. Like this, I remember just kind of joking when they were eight and one or something or seven and one when they were ten and two. I'm like. Oh yeah, the Cliff Kingsbury fades coming, and I I was like, yeah, I'm part joking. I don't think it's going to happen this year. And then, yeah, it did happen. Let's see, they were seven and zero this year, and then they went four and if you count the playoff game, four and seven. Um, yikes! And he, Cliff Kingsbury's this this graphic was out. Excuse me, was outdated. He was 42-21 in the first seven games of each season including his Texas Tech tenure, the rest of the year, not counting the final, um, 
you know, I think two games. Let's see, seven and eight, 15. Yeah, so he's 16 or 17 and 44. So 17 and 45 if you count the playoff games. And there's been rumors that they had a meeting and Ian Rappaport kind of shot it down that there was a meeting, a pretty heated meeting between Clint Kingsbury and, and the management. I don't think he's going to get fired, but I think he's going to be on the hot seat. Wouldn't, wouldn't oh. also and, like to say I did call. I said, I said Rams are going to win easily. So thank I, you. I could say that. I said Rams by a field goal and boy, was I wrong. I, I'll eat the fucking crow on that one. That game was over at halftime. The Cardinals and Kyler looked so unprepared, and the defense didn't wasn't my, doing anything really either. My favorite part was the I watched a little bit of the Manning cast, and mm. uh, <laughs> the Rock is like <laughs> is sitting there telling, "Okay, uh, so you know you you gotta." He's like giving a pump up speech to the Cardinals, and Kyler Murray immediately throws that pick six, where he's like, like he just chucked it over his head. Like, yeah, that's what Stafford did in the, in the Titans game. That I'm like, holy shit! I've I remember this, that. Yeah, I've seen this play before. I'm like, wow! Like he was just trying so hard to throw it away, but it's like, in in your mind, you don't want you don't want to take the safety, but that would have easily been the best thing to do, is just literally fall the ball, take the safety, and go and take and risk it. Um. So let's let's talk about the uh, upcoming slate of games, like. I'm pulling up the I'm pulling up the uh, the odds right now. Uh, let me get them. Got them right here. So <clears throat> Saturday we have Cincinnati, who is about a three and a half point dog at Tennessee, the one seed in the AFC. It's really hard to to go against Joe Burrow right now, but I know Carter, you've been pretty high on Ryan Tannehill. Um, like what what are you thinking about this game? I don't I don't know if I even want to touch it betting wise. This is probably going to come back to bite me, but I do think that Tennessee wins. I mean, I know the Bengals are playing really hot right now, but I mean, they didn't look, you know, on, you know, like as world beaters against the Raiders, mm-hmm. in my opinion, at least. Uh, and I think that people forgot that the Titans have been playing most of the season without their, their core four guys healthy. So it's looking like we'll see all four of them. We'll see Tannehill, AJ Brown, Derrick Henry, in Julio Jones all playing. So which they've right only there, played like 64 snaps all season together. Yeah. And I mean having all those guys, especially you know, the rapport that that uh Tannehill has with AJ Brown. I mean he's probably gonna throw his way like 14 times. Yeah. If Derrick Henry gets back, he's obviously, you know, he's gonna be tough to stop. I know he's coming off of a broken foot, but that's that's Derrick Henry, you know. And I think that Vrabel is a better coach than Zach Taylor by quite a bit. So I'm going Tennessee. I'm saying they win by like 10. Ooh, okay. So I'm going a little bold. I, I think this game comes down to uh, how often Derrick Henry is going to be able to play. Um, if right. he's going to be limited like he has been down the stretch this season, then I think the Bengals will be able to keep it a lot closer than, uh, than people think just because Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are like kind of – kind of on it right now I, they're they're clicked pretty tight and I just and I don't know if Tennessee secondary has seen a receiver like Jamar Chase this season so I'm I'm I think plus like I don't know it's maybe me just with like my dumb dumb 
<laughs> you know, I can, I know who, like, I know about the, I know about the Mac West, but I don't know shit about the NFL brain uh, because I'm a college football freak. But it's like, I don't think Ryan Tannehill is like elite. And I don't think the Titans have the defense that like, that like the, that like the Ravens have had when they won with like Trent Dilfer and, and Joe Flacco. I think Tannehill is miles better than Trent Dilfer, though. Yeah, but I, I would place him probably around Joe Flacco's level. Hmm. I mean, it's I can I can agree with that because like he never really got it going in Miami. Um, and you know Tennessee, it was they they took a chance on him because they had Mariota who wasn't working out, and it's worked out pretty well, I think, to where you know they're the one seed in the AFC. I'm going to take Tennessee by a touchdown. I think this is going to be a relatively close game, but I just think the Titans are, are better. And Cincinnati, like I said, a year, like I think MSU basketball is a year early. And I think Cincinnati is a year early. Um, We're just watching the beginning, but part of, I'm I'm not trying to like go back and forth, but part of me is like, wants to bet Cincinnati because they could make that, that run to the AFC title game like the Titans did two years ago where no one really saw them coming. Tennessee just like got it together. And, you know, Joe Burrow is proven he can throw to win a game. Like he threw for 525 yards against, I think, was it the Ravens or yeah. no? Yeah. yeah. And then he threw like four touchdowns or something. Yeah. Cause the, the Ravens coordinator is like, we're not gonna, we're not worried about Joe Burrow. <laughs> just yeah. And then he did that shredded. Um, yeah, I'll take the Titans, but um, I'm going to be kicking myself if if I if I don't bet this game and bet Cincinnati to, to keep it close. Um, I think Jamar Chase is going to have a hell of a day with Joe Burrow, but I think when I think the addition of Derrick Henry coming back is going to put him over the top. It it should. Um, next game is I think it's going to this is going to be a really good game. I really this could be another game of the week type of situation or well. The first one, uh, multiple game of the weeks, uh, 49ers, uh, the, the kind of other hot team in the a, in the NFC, I guess you could say. Five and a half point dogs to Green Bay at Lambeau Field Saturday night. Um, I do not trust Green Bay when they make the NFC title game. I'm going to take Green Bay to win this one, but I think San Francisco's going to cover. Yeah, um, I like this is tough because, like, like obviously Green Bay like deservedly got the top spot in the NFC. Yeah, um, and it and it was very clear that um, the Niners that the I think last week the Cowboys lost that game more than the Niners won it. Agreed. So I, I I'm very interested to see what to see what happens. Um, I just don't, just, I I don't know. I don't have a good read on this one. This could be like the, I think Rogers really wants to get back to the Super Bowl, um, so we can protest it. <laughs> I, I mean, they they played earlier this year, and uh, San Francisco was winning with. Uh, you know, under a minute left and green Bay came down the field and Crosby nailed a field goal to win 30 to 28 with no time left. 
I think this is going to be that type of game. Like it's going to be a 31 28 type of deal. Like I think you're going to be back and forth. Um, coaches that know each other that, you know, we've seen the meme this or the, the picture this week where, you know, all of 2013, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur, and uh, Kyle Shanahan were all coaches on the Washington football team. Football team. Yeah. Um, the R words, the racial slurs. Um, so they know each other. And I think it's going to be a close game. Like, like the last game. It's going to be a classic, I think. I, yeah, I just – I don't trust Kyle Shanahan. That's what it comes down to. I don't trust Kyle Shanahan. But, yeah, I, I think Green Bay is going to make it past them, but they're going to choke in the NFC title game, like as tradition in my opinion. Um, yeah, as tradition. Then the next one, the one that I'm actually really looking forward to, is the Rams at Buccaneers. Uh, Bucks are a three-point favorite. Um, they got the home field advantage. You know, both teams are a little banged up, um, but the Buccaneers O-line, if it holds up going into Saturday, is in rough shape. And when Tom Brady doesn't have an elite O-line, he struggles big time. Um, we've seen it in Super Bowls. We've seen it, like, against Tennessee two years ago when they upset the New England. I, I honestly think the Rams are going to win this game. I, I know I'm being a homer. I They just match up with Tampa Bay really well. And Tampa Bay's deficiencies are what the Rams have strength in right now. And the Rams know how to beat Tom Brady in a Buccaneers uniform. Sure, it's hard to beat them twice in one year, but give me the Rams to win this game. I, I really think they're going to go to the NFC title game. If it's any team that has a roster and a coaching staff to be able to beat Tom Brady, I really think that it is – uh, the Rams, it's just super hard to bet against Brady. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of torn with this because I think the Rams are playing really good football right now. And, uh, and so is Tampa Bay. Stafford has the, you know, Stafford has the, that, that relieving feeling of the fact that he, he won his first playoff game. So, you know, he's probably not going into this one with, with that weight on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. Give me Tampa Bay, but very, very close, just because Brady pulls it out. Yeah. Like a two-point game or something like that. I will um, – I'll take the Bucks uh, for the beams. <laughs> Asshole. <laughs> uh, I just think – I think the Rams are going to do it. But, you know, I'm not going to be surprised if Tom Brady pulls it out, like you guys say, like, like you say, Carter. Like – Brady's luck is going to kick in somehow and I'm going to be infuriated, but then I'll just let it go because I'm happy that Stafford got his playoff win, you know, the monkey off his back. And I kind of think this is going to make him play more relaxed is that, but then there's also the the point of is the pressure on him mentally that he has to go to the NFC title game. And then, you know, if he makes it there is the pressure on the pressure is going to be in for his head, excuse me, for him to make a Super Bowl, et cetera. So it's going to be an interesting game. If Tampa Bay's O-line is beaten up, I like the Rams to, to make him put him in a world of hurt all day. But if Brady can get to Evans and Gronk, it's, yeah, it's going to be an interesting game. And if Stafford keeps it, if Stafford doesn't turn the ball over, the Rams have an incredible chance to win this game. Um, Buffalo at Kansas City. This is, this is going to be a fun one. This could end up being the game of the week. Uh, Buffalo is a two-point, well, one-and-a-half, two-point dog to Kansas City. Um, 
Buffalo beat them early in the year when Kansas City wasn't uh, to or to steal a line from Twitter was trying to find their footing. Um, <laughs> I I'm taking the Chiefs, man, and I know the Bills played fucking awesome against the Patriots, but you know I think the Steelers were just a little better than New England, just a tiny bit better, and I'm I gotta go with the Chiefs, man. I love Patrick Mahomes. And I think they're playing their I think they're playing their best football at the right time. I agree. Uh, give me Kansas City. Give me Kansas City convincingly. Oh, because because I think they're gonna catch I think they're gonna catch Buffalo riding an emotional high. You know, beating a division rival by that much. Right. They're probably gonna the, come in the, the perfect game. Like you know, no punts, all touchdowns. Yeah, they're gonna come into this one riding high, feeling pretty good. Uh, and can then Kansas City is going to remind them of who they are, especially just because of the fact that they, you know, made that made that flip midseason, just playing incredible football as they're used to. And right. That's that's what it's going to come down to is Patrick Holmes is just going to be surgical once again. I know that they played in the championship last year and Kansas City just kind of eviscerated them. And I kind of see that type of thing happening again. Hmm. I, I think. Uh, the, the Chiefs are playing really good football right now, but I think the I think the Bills the Bills have been playing their best football the last six weeks of the season too, and I and this is probably the two hottest teams in football, mm. kind of coming up against each other. So I, you know, I I think I on paper, right? Like you never bet against Patrick Mahomes. Never bet against. Never bet against. Uh, never bet against Tyree Kill, especially if his son's misbehaving. Oh, you never bet against Andy Reid, um, especially if Andy Reid's son is misbehaving. Uh, you never bet, <laughs> but you know maybe I think the Bills for some reason just they just feel like a they feel like a team of destiny. I don't know why. They just have that vibe about them, especially after beating the Patriots so badly last week, uh, like Tyreek Hill. Um, it was a Tyreek Hill-esque performance from Buffalo. Um, Jesus I, Christ. I I just, I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't, I'm not sure if that's an emotional, I'm not sure if that's going to be an emotional, like if that's going to be a destabilizing emotional high as much as it's going to be a, a the first the first kind of statement on, on a Super Bowl run. Hmm. So, so I'm, I'm a big believer in the bills. I just want to see, I want to see, I want to see broken tables in Los <laughs> Angeles. If Buffalo wins, if Buffalo wins the Super Bowl, Los Angeles is gonna, Los Angeles like might implode. I would make a joke. That would be going too far to make it but just just think about buffalo think about how buffalo does and just think about what buffalo does and just you know draw your own conclusions based on the history of civil unrest in los angeles oh lord i i think whoever wins buffalo kansas city is going to the super bowl um and i can agree with you like if if buffalo overcomes the chiefs i see them easily taking care of cincinnati and I see them taking care of Tennessee by like seven to ten points. Um, 
you know, I, I think Buffalo KC is going to be a dogfight. It's going to be both these teams know that they're the better seeds. And even though Tennessee is the one seed, both of them know, like, this is our, this is kind of like the de facto AFC title game. And I think you, you could have that same thing. It's going to be interesting, you know, like if the Rams win on Sunday, you know, and they go have to go to Green Bay, it's going to be, okay, they got their asses kicked there earlier this year. Let's see how different and better the Rams are. I'd pick the Packers in that one, to be honest, and just pray for a choke job. Um, but then you could also get Rams Niners part three, and it's like, can Shanahan really do it three times in a year? But um, I think if Tampa Bay gets past um, L.A., I think they're going back. I, I think we can end up seeing a, a Chiefs-Bucks rematch or, or Chiefs-Bills or uh, Bucks-Bills, one of those two things. I, I think whoever wins between L.A. and Tampa is going to the Super Bowl. I'm not trying to be biased towards my team. I just really believe that can give you the momentum heading into the next matchup. Um, so I think that's good. Uh, quick note. I just want to say how awesome it is that the Batman's going to be like three hours long. Uh, when you sent me that link in the, in our, in our group chat, I was very happy SD. So thank you for that. Yeah. That's going to be hype. I'm so excited. Yeah. I mean, I think tickets are going on sale after the Super Bowl, So trying to, trying to see what's going on with that, but, um, you know what'd be funny? What is if for our Super Bowl preview show, we don't talk about the game at all, and we just talk about what kind of trailers they're going to show in the commercials. <laughs> like we, I could like pull up articles about what people like, what's confirmed and like what's speculated. Yeah, and we just spend like we talk MSU basketball and like anything happening in football. Then we just go, all right, what everyone's here to talk about the big game trailers. <laughs> just go into what's going to happen um so all right i think it's good i think we wrapped up a good spot we'll call it a night and uh everyone stay warm it's supposed to get really fucking cold stay warm stay safe stay healthy um it's getting nasty out there but do your part wear a mat wear hashtag wear a damn mask and uh hashtag get vaccinated yep get vaccinated uh, fellas, go green. Go white. Go white. I'm air frying chicken. <laughs>